Welcome to the Castalia podcast. My name is Isla Ratcliffe. I'm a Scottish fiddle player and I have just released my debut album, The Castalia. In this podcast, I interview musicians from Cape Breton, an island on the east coast of Canada with a rich traditional music culture, thanks to the many Scots who emigrated in the 18th and 19th centuries. I was very lucky to spend four months in Cape Breton, a life-changing experience that inspired my album. It is the people behind Cape Breton music who make it so special. This is why I have created this podcast, to give you the chance to meet them. I'm just grateful for having had this medium in that way that has been this instigator for for meeting so many wonderful people and then bonding in in such a way over something that is so important but also really fun. Today I'm chatting to two fantastic Cape Breton musicians, Don and Margie Beaton. I met Margie when she kindly gave me a lift to the festival club at Celtic Colours Festival, of which her sister Don is the artistic director. We had a great chat about traditional music on that journey, so I knew that they would be ideal guests for this podcast. My name is Don Beaton. And I'm a musician and step dancer from Mabu, Cape Breton. And uh, I'm one of two of the Beaton sisters. The other one will introduce herself. I'm the other one. My name is Margie Beaton. Dawn is my sister. And I also partake in the music side and dancing side of things in this beautiful land of Cape Breton. And thrilled to have met you threw that um a few years back so here we are now chatting it out yeah well it's so lovely to have you both thank you so much for giving up your time to to chat to me today we'll start with four questions first of all what is your favorite thing about Cape Breton music so much to be grateful for and blessed to be a part of in this tradition I love that the community aspect of this culture, especially through playing, uh, through the square dances and the social impact of, of sharing, the communal aspect of this culture is really important. And I know it does occur in other cultures, but um, it's unique in everyone, but it's really something to be, to preserve and really protect. Um, the other thing I really like is the ancestral nature of this. So in terms of our direct family line, how we're connected to past generations, but also as a community and and each kind of community has an ancestral line back to Nchambuik, back to Scotland or in Ireland for some. Um, And to know that we're part of that, that story, that kind of fabric is really, it's very powerful. It's very humbling. And I think it's, I, I, I think if, Anyone that's in this realm respects that and knows that there's a, a responsibility to carry it forward and see future generations uh, to experience that same happiness and pleasure with it. So that's, that's kind of where I land on that. Lovely. And Margie? Don will know this, that where we had a similar question. Don, do you remember this? When we were kids... And there was another fiddler in the line, and I was the third person to answer. 
which this is reminding me of. Yes. And they took, they said really <laughs> important, wonderful things. And then I thought I was, I mean, I must have been seven, not, not fully evolved yet, if you will. And I, the whole time I was thinking, and this was also for television. There was a camera just right there. And all I could think of like, that was a really good answer. I wish I went first. And then it got to me and I said something lame and it haunts me to this day. But <clears throat> instead of doing something that's different than Don, I'm going to, agree with Don <laughs> and just <laughs> and just go off of what she said which is genuinely what I do feel um I feel so privileged to be part of this community that when you start into say maybe lessons or you start into things and you're and you're at the you're doing things one tune at a time or one step at a time and and or one concert at a time and you're just kind of going day to day with it you don't necessarily see what's building with that but through all of those one at a time steps and experiences you meet these people and it always comes back to the people so you're I'm just grateful for having had this medium in that way that has been this instigator for for meeting so many wonderful people and then bonding in in such a way over something that is so important but also really fun so there's always this in between uh common ground that brings us together and then I look back over those years and I think wow I'm all of those little steps led to to decades of of great times and and wonderful people it comes right back to the people and also what else did you say, Don? Uh, also, the point that you mentioned about uh, family, which is such a, a a good point as well. We're part of something bigger than us, so it's not just our musical career. We're part of a musical tapestry. We're we're part of something that is evolving, and and we we have the 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 people, our ancestors behind us. And then there's this next generation coming and it's not, it's bigger than us. It's, we're just, we're just part of this wave. So, um, it will live on after us. It's lived on for years before us, which adds a bit of weight to it, but also removes a bit of the, the, the feeling that it's all on us kind of thing. I really enjoy being part of, part of all of that. It's a heck of a nice feeling to be part of it. That was a beautiful answer. <laughs> I stole it from Don. <laughs> so, <laughs> second question, why do you play music? Margie, do you want to go first this time? Okay. Why do we play music? Isn't it isn't it interesting? I will say that when I got started very young into lessons and all of this probably didn't have the same reasons. I think when you're a kid, you're just trying to please your parents. You're just trying to be obedient and do what you're told in a lot of ways. Like, I don't think I had a lot of my own initiative behind it. Although, what I do remember, I remember key moments, and I'm talking when I was five, four and five, so they're, they're really kind of fleeting uh, memories, but I do remember really loving it. I remember coming back from my first fiddle class, which was at Gaelic, the Gaelic College, where I now work, which is a weird twist of fate. I wasn't putting my fingers on the fiddle yet. I was just making noise. So I wasn't far off. And I thought, 
I'm nailing this. And everybody else was doing scales. This was my day one. I could hear something. I had the first feelings of making sound all on my own. And it really was one of some of the first memories of the instrument. And I said to mom, look at this. And I showed her. And she said, okay, you better go practice. And she, she had me like go to the other end of this whatever, very small camper. And I just was like, you're right, I better. And I just wailed on it. But I had this real sense of pride, which I keep in mind when, I, when I'm teaching now. Just give them something to feel good about it. It's instant joy, I guess, even though I was delusional for a long time, I suppose. But I do think I, the reason that I started is not why I do it today. I do think that at a cer certain point, probably as I got into, probably not until I was a teenager, that I started making music that I was like, yeah, I really like how I sounded on that. I kind of, I kind of got a little better, I think. And I'm proud of what that sounds like and starting to develop my own sense of, of music versus playing someone else's music or, or playing like someone else or for, so, for someone else. And after that, it was, uh, it's, it's just been the most beautiful gift in my life. One of the most beautiful things. So I play for my own self now, but I think it's interesting to think back doing, being a kid. I would have similar uh, sentiments there. I think when you're four and six starting an instrument or dance, you know, I think there's, there's always a desire there. I can remember picking up the fiddle maybe at like three and just kind of wailing on it, as Maggie put it, um, just kind of figuring it out. It was too large a violin for me at that time. And it was tough when you're six and there's a, a group of, say, 20 violinists and the oldest is around 70-something. And you're a young girl and you're just like, and this is an unforgiving instrument. You're just like, oh God, you're just surviving every weekend you know you go through school and maybe they dangle the chocolate bear or alphagetti to get us through the the class right but but it took years like I was six and I don't recall feeling like I enjoyed playing the fiddle until I would say five or six years into the process first of all you're in kind of a squawky instrument you know a quarter size violin is kind of unforgiving so when you get up to a full size that was I'm picking the instrument at that point. So we went and bought one. And that was, there's an ownership there. And so practicing became different after that. You kind of enjoyed the process that you could achieve something like your favorite violinists were achieving, or at least come close to it. So it, it took a while. This was a very tangible way of contributing, of showing that another way to show one's gifts. And it was a it was a language all in of itself. And I'm like, okay, this is, this will be my little niche, you know, and it's been that way. So when I was uh, in the financial world and I was uh, an auditor, that's what I did. I would take, it's an unforgiving industry and I would take my violin to certain, I guess the, the clients that I liked the most and I would play the fiddle for them. And I felt wow. like I could actually ask for all their, their POs and do testing on them, but I would play the fiddle. <laughs> awesome, so it was, again, it's another way of communicating. I mean, I, I, I'm decent enough to do, you know, an interview and all that, but I can, this was a way of 
of uh, connecting with people ultimately. So it's it's for different reasons too. Uh, of course, our grandparents, you know, played and, and sang Gaelic and, and loved dancing and loved Kayleen. So to be a part of that and our cousins uh, were in this realm, to feel a part of something is, is easy for a child to say, oh, I can be a part of this too. Um, it wasn't the, the instigator per se, but, and I, I will admit that I'm still, you know, it's such a communal uh, instrument, especially dance too, and it's very community oriented that I, I probably struggle to find enjoying playing for myself because it is, it, it's meant to be shared. So um, that's something that I need to work on, but I do love that, um, that when I need it, it's there. If I want a catharsis, if I want to play something slow, I can do that. And I think composing is a way to also achieve that. So it's it's there. It's just not there every day. I think when when people get a job and have to do adult things, it starts to to draw some of that energy from it. But there's ways to get there. And hopefully there's a lot of life left to still figure all that out too. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. So third question, this is a tricky one. What is your favorite musical memory? Dawn, do you want to go first this time? I do, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I I do, uh, we've, we've been asked this question before, and so I, I have one. The memory that I come back to so frequently and that I just love was, I think the best memories are always spontaneous. So, for instance, in August, every August, the Mava Coal Mines um, Wharf becomes a stage, and it's a great community fundraiser and it's just so majestic in the scenery and it was $5 to get in. And so you get a great show that's like three or four hours long and the price of admission also gets you on a boat from one of the local fishermen and you go down the coast and you see the exquisite rugged coastline of the Mabel coal mines and site point. Her aunt, Mary Janice McDonald was also around and we got on John Philip Rankin's boat Gorgeous day, wasn't too windy, settled down in the early evening, and he took us down but closer to the beach. And so we were within like shouting range of people on the beach, and he just stopped the boat, turned off the motor. He sang, and at that point we hadn't heard him sing, he sang incredible Gaelic songs. And then we happened to have our fiddles, of course, since we'd been performing and we broke out into tunes and they had a square set on the boat and the people on the beach could see this. And it was just this moment in time where nothing else mattered. We were together sharing and contributing and experiencing this all to get, uh, at once. And, um, and that's another one of those moments where you're like, if I didn't play the fiddle, not that I wouldn't have been able to be part of it, but I contributed to it. We contributed to it. And it, it was um, to share it with each other, but also our aunt was really, really special. So that's one of those memories that just is completely imprinted on my brain and my soul. And we'll take that uh, to the grave. Oh, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and Margie, what about you? I'd have to agree with a lot of that too. But I will say too, just on, on what Don said there, when you're making music for someone else or you're able to able to play something and it means something for someone else in that way, 
is like out of, it, it's otherworldly I want to say and our, uh, our our grandmother on our father's side was a beacon of tradition and she was I always say maybe the most Gaelic person or Gaelic person that I have ever known in my in my books I remember watching her and when we were very young watching her react to music when I was young and she would have these moments of of like losing herself in the music you could kind of watch her close her eyes and sink into it into her her body and like her shoulders and how she moved and it could bring her to tears it could bring her to laughter I suppose like she would just kind of be oh god it's so good there's great video of that too um and I was kind of observing her and being like oh yeah that's really interesting I don't know if I have that and then moments in my life I can remember being at one of those house parties and and um, having all of the elders sitting in chairs so that the young people sat on the floor. There was just very little room. And watching um, Natalie play in, a, in Among People, and I can remember seeing some of her aunts, buddy sisters, closing their eyes and just being in it. And I could feel something different. And I was like, this is so good. Like, I just heard music in a different way, and I understood the the feeling behind it. it it took a little time I suppose but now I feel that at the drop of a hat I, I I get it and it only gets better as I get older it means so much more to me every year that I'm alive um, that just makes it tastier and deeper and better and better so I, I I get it I'm I'm first and foremost a fan of this or a, a an advocate for it I I, I play second but I I love it first. There was also one of those occasions, Don, I don't know if you have this memory, which is also really cool, by the way, that all of these memories live on in someone else, too, for the most part, that we got to share from day one together all of these things. So I feel very fortunate for that. And we, for just that reason where you get to relive them um, in so many ways. But we played in Orkney and there was a band put together. I couldn't stop laughing. Um, in the best way that I was like, I can't believe it. Like sometimes you just, it's either that or cry, I suppose. Like it's just this pinnacle of emotions. And I'm like, I just was laughing so hard at how, how great it sounded, uh, to, and to be, you know, playing um, among this, you, you know, everybody gets lost in this group sound and it is just, a just a high that, um, that is, hard to explain I can't imagine life without it so I feel both ways that some of my best memories always with other people and the feeling that I get from it and then the feeling that you're able to see come out of someone else um when it means so much to someone else is just the best very fortunate yeah yeah I mean I, I totally agree with everything you said music is so much for for sharing and for yeah experiencing with other people it's what what makes it so good? Okay, and fourth question. Margie, do you want to take this one first again? Uh, what is your favorite tune? That might be that might be the hardest one yet. <laughs> I think that changes, eh? I dare say. It's mm, kind of like yeah. pop songs even or songs on the radio. Um, I do remember as a kid, Don played fiddle uh, a little bit before me and then I tagged along as the little sister does. And I do remember her practicing from class and I, I wasn't, I was probably just kind of tinkering with it or I wasn't 
there yet. Maybe not without with my own fiddle. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, Don was learning Stan Chapman's jig by Jerry Holland. And if you're familiar with it, it's got these like longer notes at the start. Dee da 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 da. And that's it's like this hook. I don't know if 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 in music terms it would be like like a really good <laughs> hook in the melody. And I was like, what's that one? I remember just being like, I really like the sound of that tune. Play it again. I couldn't I, I couldn't get enough of that tune. Uh, so I remember liking that tune early on and being like, oh yeah, what what other what other tunes you got? Um, I like that. And uh, and then so that one's has stayed classic. That's that's good forever, for sure. I don't think it'll ever age out. Um, and that's the thing with fiddle tunes, is that you can have a classic for literally 400 years. That's the true <laughs> test of some that's of these true. <laughs> What about you, Don? I agree. It's a tough, tough question. My answer is our two wheels. So, but I think the reason I pick the, I'm picking the tunes I am is that it's when I play them, it's typically, maybe even subconsciously, um, it's it's a little later in in a set, or it's like if I know I'm like my ba- battery is draining, this tune will change me. There's something to be. I don't ever underestimate the power of a tune to infuse energy when I need it the most because of its composition, because of its drive and what maybe I think I can do with it. So the tunes that I pick are, are tunes that I kind of think that I, I do decent at too. So my first one would be the Lasses of Stuart and I just love that reel. It's great for playing for step dancers, which is really important to me. And it's a four-parter. It's just got this, they're both, yeah, they're both tunes with a little dirt and grit in them. Um, if I drive into that, I feel better. And the Red Shoes Reel by Dinner McDonald is pretty tough to beat. Uh, I, there are lots of there are lots of tunes of Dinner's I would never touch. I just don't have the physical capability to play his tunes. They're so demanding and so difficult. But each one of them is so unique and yet so familiar. And I love that about his composition. So the Red Shoes, it was one of the earlier tunes that he would have composed too, which also speaks to his brilliance. I just love that. And it's here, it's local, it's from here. And it generated a whole movement being the Red Shoe Pub and all that. So it's it's got a lot of history. Well, it's lovely. You've both touched on what I fell in love with with Cape Breton music, which was this like sense of community and the sense of sharing and that kind of, you know, passing on tunes from one person to another. And yeah, like you say, thinking back to the long line that you're part of. And it is, as Margie, as you put it, like it's something beyond yourself. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And you both, am I right, come from quite a musical family? We have some some musical and and dance, dance, a lot of step dance in our family, but on both sides, we have some some uh, singers and uh, musicians and dancers. I, I play our uncle's fiddle. He passed away in 1980, in 1991. No, 89, sorry. 89. 89. Yeah. And uh, second guess myself there. And so 
I was quite young. So the fiddle came into our position and then I just grew into it. And I've played it ever since I was um, probably a young teenager. So I, I didn't know him very well, although learning all about him um, ever since. And so I feel this real bond with him because we have this shared instrument. And just play for themselves. They wouldn't have been on stages and performing. And so I love that. I love playing in that vein of things yeah and like an instrument like you say it can it can mean so much especially when it's you know passed from someone else and it's a really special thing to share yeah yeah it is I and it it only seems to get more important as I get older I I feel like I um I notice that I I'm more nervous playing in some areas and I and I was like, why am I more nervous when I play? When I was, as a kid, Don has memories <clears throat> of me saying, I want to play up on that stage. And just being oddly confident at a young age and going for it. And now feeling <laughs> feeling like very the opposite and shy and, and reserved and nervous. But I think it's because it means so much more to me. It, there's... there's um, I understand more of the depth, and I think when it means so much to you, you want to be a, a, a purveyor of of the goodness that that you know. I suppose that's my that's my explanation. So I love it more and more every year, for sure. So in your duo, that's quite a big question. How how do you view your music? Because I've heard, on the one hand, there's your album, Taste of Gaelic, which a lot of that is very, very traditional. Um, and then just earlier today, I was watching a great performance of you playing at Celtic Colours 2010, I think. And um, and that, on the other hand, is more of a... It's quite an arranged set. You're going from, I think, a slow air into jigs and then to Strasfay and then into reels, which is quite unconventional. How do you view your music? Don, do you want to start? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I get the hard question Don't first. mess this up. That's <laughs> <laughs> I haven't yet, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's being the operative word. And, and I suppose the reason we, we named the album that was just to always nod to our, our more... Um, roots and, and traditional leanings. I think I think it's we're primarily very traditional artists. It's interesting when we were born and when we were first kind of going through the scene because everything changed very quickly, rather quickly, I'd say in the 90s. Keep Breton became more uh, it was on the map on, in a big way because of what had been fostered decades before. So you know, with Rita and her success, Rita McNeil, of course, the Rankin family, the Barry McNeils, then Natalie, then Ashley, uh, like you're all, you can just see the more progressiveness come through. And I think when your own relatives, because Ashley would be a distant relative, are taking music in and redefining it or expanding the boundaries of it, you're like, oh, this is possible. So I think there was a little bit of permission to do that. We never went to that degree, I don't think. So I'd say we're very traditional, I think, and have fun finding how much of an expansion we can make on our, our music. I think that's true. I kind of, yeah, I, I, it's interesting having grown up in that time. We grew up at like 
oh, it was just a, what a time those 90s were for, for Cape Breton kids learning and watching um, the Rankins take the stage. And um, anyway, it's just, it was, it was really, it was a really wonderful time. Anyway, but that is a good point because certainly there were ex- boundaries expanding. So then when we maybe try, and mind you, we're, we're trying like nothing in that comparison, but it was a bit more of a, uh, the door was open and certainly the opportunities were opened for, for all of us to come through later. We're, we're trying to, to find that line of uh, tradition and responsibility and all that it is that you're part of for years and your role in that. In Cape Breton, I think we feel this real, I don't want to say scarcity, but we are clinging to uh, the old ways because it's our responsibility to to keep the, the Scottish heritage that came here alive. We, we are all traditional watchdogs, I guess, in, in, the, in some ways, in that way. We're pairing that with music that is our own. And, and what does that look like when you write a tune or um, arrange something for a CD, which changes if your opportunities are different on an album? Yeah, I think we, we walk that line now and forever, I dare say. At the heart of it has to be some real core values. So our, our traditions are the, the most beautiful and they're enough as they are. They don't need to be altered and changed. They stand on their own. There's a reason it's evolved. There's a reason that it stands to this day um, because it's beautiful as, as is. So, mm. Yeah, 100% agree. And I don't know about you, but I think for me the kind of balance between how much I'm thinking I'm continuing a tradition and how much I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to try something different. It kind of changes and it, you know, it's not one year I'll be more towards the traditional and then the next year I'll be, oh, actually, I'm going to try something completely different. Well, not completely different, but a bit different. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it, I guess it evolves as as you as a person evolve as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think we're better for that. If it enhances something and it's 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 improving it, I, it, there's something like it regulates as a as a community as a whole that says, right, we'll keep on this path. It's it's an interesting thing though. Evolution is is fascinating, and you can't help it. It's just going to happen. So, um, so you're either part of it, I suppose, or or you're up against the wall. But um, but yeah, it's 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 wonderful to be part of for sure. I think there's conversations that happen both in front of you and perhaps around you and you, you you hear the whispers of, but it has to be this way. It has to be what we did a hundred years ago. And none of us were around to really know that, you know, and, and dance and is, we can research and do what we can, but something so audio and, and video related is, you know, unless we invent the time machine, we're never really going to know. So I think there's, as Marie said, there's such a responsibility. There is a self-regulation. And I think it's it's times where it's just, you can't not let those people get in your head and, and traditional, traditional, traditional. Um, but if we only ever did that and we didn't allow, like Marie said, an introduction of in- different instrumentation or because there have been some really phenomenal 
and important uh, compositions that have occurred here, the step dancing style, um, how, you know, I suppose guitar and, and piano has uh, infiltrated, I don't know if that's the right word, into uh, our, our style and our presentation and how valuable that is. So I think it's, I guess sometimes I just feel like we have to give ourselves permission to do it, but it has to breathe. I think it's, I'm, I'm not maybe the best cook and, and, and you should let things breathe a little bit. They're allowed to breathe. And you're going let to say something. Let the bread rise. Let, is that, is it a yeast comparison? I like it. I think you have to preserve it. You got to put it in the bottle. You got to let it do its thing. But then you always open the bottle. You let it breathe eventually. You consume it. So you um, <laughs> you are allowed to open that jar of delicious preserves and, and let it and add it to a new recipe mm. and let it become something else. That's where I'm going to land with that one. Yeah. Pickling, right. pickling, right. really right. done. We're gonna, we're gonna end with pickling. <laughs> Our jam, jam goes with everything, That's right? True. We do, we do like jam. We wanted to make sure we in- included that. <laughs> yeah, well, oh I God. can't end this episode without mentioning Celtic Colors Festival because actually, I kind of feel that you were in some way a part of the making of my album because (laughs) I actually spent in October 2020, I spent a week up in Arisig dedicated to finishing off my album um, in terms of what the material would be. So going through lots of Paul Cranford's books, picking tunes, composing some of my own tunes. And just at the end of that week is when Celtic Colours Online Festival started. And so I remember staying, it was just me staying in this caravan with my dog. And um, I remember staying up late until 11 o'clock UK time to watch your pre-show. And it was just like the best thing ever because I was like, I felt like I was kind of living in my own little worlds, kind of in Cape Breton. It was a surreal experience, but a wonderful experience. <laughs> so Aww. that's so dedicated. <laughs> that's so fun that you that I do really like the online community picking up right where mm. the physical community would have been um, in those ways and just keeping in touch, but live in real time. Um, yeah. And we certainly felt that just in 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 feeling real time comments coming in <clears throat> in 2020 was such the height of of pandemic times and but still feeling very connected because we were all doing the same thing at the same time was is such a just goes to show community and international community that that is one of the the big blessings from Celtic Colors eh? it just brings our world our worlds together especially. Um, the homeland Scotland and and here it's it's just that's such a wonderful thing and even in online times <clears throat> especially perhaps in online times it feels mm. it feels very connected and woven so that's great it's nice knowing that you were watching too <laughs> no definitely it was great and I really enjoyed your pre-show that was I, I I watched a lot of Celtic Connections last year too which was such a um a blessing because I, I haven't been there in, in a good number of years, but, um, but why not, you know, for, for this, for 2020 as it was. And for the benefit of listeners who haven't heard of Celtic Colours International Festival, Don, your artistic director, what is, what is Celtic Colours? 
I am the artistic director. Um, Co-founders, Joella Foles and Max McDonald, had gone over to Celtic Connections. They were on the plane coming home and they're like, how could we take that model and apply it to Cape Breton? It's more than 35 communities that come together and host shows. So it's usually, it would typically be about six to seven shows in any one day. And it's very much a, a local uh, contingent of artists and of course volunteers, but it's an international festival. So we invite folks from, of course, over overseas, um, down in the States and across the rest of Canada too. And there's some other interesting places in the world and they come and they get to experience Cape Breton. And it, it, it recognizes too, not only our, our Celtic and Gaelic cultures, here and abroad, but also our Acadian and Mi'kmaq and other cultures that define Cape Breton. So it's it's really an island-wide celebration. And um, this is year 25. We've Pandemic or not, we've survived. Yeah, I mean, well, Celtic Colours 2019 when I was in Cape Breton was certainly one of the highlights of my time there, I think. Somehow I managed to get to all my university classes that week, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I remember one of my lecturer's faces when she heard what time I'd got back. She was like, how are you still here? I was like, I don't, I don't really know, but I think I'm here. I don't think this is a dream. <laughs> but no, it was an incredible time. And indeed, that was where I met you, Margie. So it was a good time. <laughs> It'll happen again. I have no doubt you'll be back over before too long. Oh, I really hope so. Well, listen, thank you so much for giving up your time to chat to me tonight. Um, I know you're both very busy, so it's been lovely chatting to you. And hopefully I'll make it back to Cape Breton once the world is back to kind of normal. <laughs> That's right. We'll be waiting and we hope to see you oh. over there too. We'll have the car warmed up and we'll make right for Brooklyn. Oh, How about that? Sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to Don and Margie for sharing their stories about life in Cape Breton and a big thanks to you for joining us. You can find their music at donandmargie.com. If you would like to buy my album, The Castalia, it is available on Bandcamp or at my website, islaratcliffe.com. See you next time. <laughs>